into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday, September 14th, 15th, September 14th, 2023, episode number 451 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Justin Royer, Carrie, Rob Cleason, Marcus Kyler, Terrence Billingsley, Kenneth Ruff, all the folks over on LinkedIn, all the folks up here in YouTube, Simply Cyber community members, squad members. First timers and long timers. What's up, mods? I see you, BSEC, Jenny Housley, Kim, the McDalia's here with the baton ready at the mid roll to pass that off. We got a great show for you today, everybody. I just want to remind you over the next 45 minutes, we're going to be going through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize this tactically at work? Whether you're an entry-level junior analyst or you're a CISO, there's going to be value for you to pull out and be able to apply practically at your work and drive cyber risk reduction for your organization. I also want to remind you, <coughs> don't think if you're not in the industry yet and you're just breaking in or you're tangential to cyber, Maybe you're a recruiter. What's up? Good morning, David. Good to see you. There's going to be massive value for you as well here because we're going to be talking about current events, top topics, threat actors, behaviors. Occasionally, I go down a rabbit hole and explain something uh, to a greater level of detail, almost like a, a mini lecture. There's massive value. You will be asked in any job interview it for cybersecurity. How do you stay current in the industry? The Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is a banger of an answer. Almost borderline mic drop. Uh, Want to remind you all that each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is worth half a CPE. So that stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up, folks, in chat. Take a screenshot. File it off for evidence. Hashtag Team Live. Team Live. Um... If you're live in chat, hashtag Team Live. Let me let me see you there. What's up, Emmanuel Dark? Hashtag Team Live. Good to see you. If you're in the replays, if you're watching on demand, because you're uh, just, you know what? Sometimes it's the West Coast people who are watching on demand, but there has been an upswell in activity of Team Replay people, and I'm very happy to say it's because they broke into the industry or they got another job in cybersecurity, and the time of the podcast coincides with when they're starting their new job so you know what 
<coughs> no one's going to fault you for that, Team Replay. Hashtag Team Replay. We love that you can consume it on your schedule, whether live or on replay. Finally, my favorite, hashtag first-timer. I see war goons in here. Sherry, recent first-timers who have since come over to the squad. If today is your first stream, no matter how you found us, drop a hashtag first-timer in chat. We love welcoming our newcomers and letting them know exactly what they can expect from this supportive, inclusive community. Now, before I get in and start dropping knowledge bombs on everybody up in here, let me say shout-out and thanks to the stream sponsors who enable me to bring this hot mess every single mo uh, weekday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time. Barricade Cyber Solutions, they're dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, everybody? Magdalia, did you know Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents? Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Link in the description below. If you're getting ramrodded by a threat actor, Barricade Cyber can be the salve that eases that pain. Believe that. Want to say what's up and shout out to Panopsi Security. Before you get popped, before compromise happens, before the, the icky uh, threat actors are in your um, environment, why don't you stop being reactive and start being proactive and put in place a scalable, maturable, intelligently laid out cybersecurity program. But Jerry, how does one do that? Well, friend, let me tell you, call Panopsi Security, talk to Brandon Poole, tell them that you're ready to take InfoSec to the next level of your business. He'll come in with his team, do a quantified risk assessment, look at your people, your process, your technologies, your threat landscape, your budget, your roadmap, in what uh, industry you're in, put it in a blender, hit, you know, uh, slap chop a few times, like boom, 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 you get in this camera guy, and then they'll pump out a one to three year roadmap that's very, very uh, deliberately designed to have high risk reduction early, like low hanging fruit, high risk reduction, palatable for the business, palatable for the budgie, you know what I'm saying? Great cash, homie. And then you're off and running like a boss, okay? Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon, but more about them at the mid-roll. Guys, I'm super, super pumped. Everything is going great. I, we got a quick show today. No jawjacking. I got a flight. Um, it, and I'm not one of these guys who's taking a picture on the tarmac with a G6, uh, stepping in out of like, a, you know, whatever, like a, the SUV Mercedes. No, I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm driving my pickup truck. I'm parking in long-term parking, and I'm riding in the in the in the back of the plane. Uh, but I got a flight to catch right after the stream, so it's going to be a quick one. Coming in hot. All right, super excited for everybody. Let me know if there is a first timer in chat. Yes, I'm glad people got the slap chop reference. Do love that. All right, guys, do do me a favor since we are moving quickly. Uh, oh, also. Also, really quickly, since I saw James McQuiggan in chat, let me just tease something for some people. This is a super niche thing, but had a planning call last night with James McQuiggan and Black Hills Information Security. We, James and I, and uh, Amwar from Black Hills and CJ from Black Hills, will be hosting um, a chess, um, a chess event, a chess tournament, a chess activity 
at Wild West Hackenfest. So if you're going to Wild West Hackenfest, if you like chess, if you want to uh, kick it with some like-minded people, we got you covered. More details to come out from Wild West Hackenfest. Now do me a favor, y'all. Grab your coffee, grab your tea, grab your bourbon if it's you know you're in Australia and it's late. Whatever it is you're drinking, grab it. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news. Wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see all of you at the mid-roll. Reminder, I don't prep for this show. So this is, we'll see. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, Ooh, September 14th. First timer, Cy Varun. Welcome, Cy. NSC asks governments not to pay ransoms. The record sources say the U.S. National Security Council will ask for commitments to countries attending the International Counter Ransomware Initiative to not pay ransoms in cyber attacks. The summit will take place on October 31st, and the NSC will push for a joint statement from the 47 members. This commitment would apply to government bodies only, not organizations in those countries. All right. Ceases. Whatever. So (laughs) this is... um... I mean, okay, this is like the White House and the U.S. government doing what the U.S. government does. Like, you know, like, hey, everybody in the world, we, we're, we're setting the tone around here. Do what we do. The U.S. government has had a policy for a couple of years now of not paying ransoms, okay? Fact check me on that if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm like high confidence that that's true. And now um, the U.S. National Security Council through the White House is essentially going to the um, International Counter Ransomware Initiative, which is a collection of 47 different countries, and saying, hey, we need a policy that none of our countries are going to pay ransoms, okay? (coughs) Again, (coughs) excuse me, this is for the public sector only, not the private sector. So it is a a step in the right direction. You'd almost think that they were already in this. I will say it's easy for it's easy for a powerful first world country um, that can sustain some uh, sustain some downtime, sustain some impact, and keep on rolling versus a country that's kind of cobbled together with you know bits and pieces from the junk drawer and you know kind of holding it together with shoestring and bubble gum, and then they get hit with ransomware and like you know it's like well it would be easy to just pay the ransom it's kind of it's kind of difficult for them to agree uh on the surface you would think yes this is another great way to combat ransomware Uh, the reality is guys ransomware uh in 2023 it continues to reign supreme ransomware has been the top threat in our space I would say since 2017, when WannaCry in March of 17, ro- I mean, ransomware had been around before that, but WannaCry put it on the map as far as like, holy A, um, this is this is like lucrative and easy and threat actors started salivating and like the word is out, okay? So we've been dealing with it pretty hardcore for about six years. Um, and even the collapse of like cryptocurrencies and NFTs and all that jazz hasn't deterred the amount of, uh, behaviors and threat actor attacks and stuff like that. So this is, you know, even if 47 countries, here's, here's my TLDR on this one. Even if 47 other countries say, okay, we're not going to pay the ransom. Like that's not going to curb ransomware attacks. I guarantee you that isn't going to curb ransomware attacks, right? Because what are you doing? Like 
they're like I'm I'm sorry really quickly like just think about it like think about it logically right like I get it it's a good position to have countries don't pay ransom like all right we got a we got a firm policy in place but dude there's hundreds of thousands of businesses in the world that are private hundreds of thousands there's there's like how many countries are there 500 countries right maybe so even if every country in the world said we're not going to pay ransom I mean, dude, a ransomware threat actually could be like, fine, we'll just go after private sector. There's softer targets too. Like, we'll go after higher ed. We'll go after healthcare. Like, suck it, bro. You know what I mean? So, like, the the if this is a deterrent to somehow curb ransomware, I don't think it's going to have any material effect. Okay, that's just my thoughts. That's just a hot take from a guy. Open source software security roadmap. <laughs> This week, the Linux Foundation's Open Source Security Foundation hosted the Secure Open Source Software Summit. This event brought together federal agencies, tech groups, and nonprofits. Coinciding with this, CISA released its Open Source Software Security Roadmap. This identified two major concerns, cascading risk of vulnerabilities and the downstream effects of a compromised repository. The roadmap calls on CISA to support open source software development with an eye toward hardening it for better resilience for the federal government. Some critics point out that without funding, this could be an issue for many maintainers that are otherwise volunteers. Yeah, so this continues to be a challenge, okay? Open source software, if you're not, wait, hold on, I'm sorry. If you're not familiar, open source software, uh, there's a ton of it, right? GitHub, all these things, especially AI, Copilot is starting to help write it, so it's getting even more traction. <coughs> um, and more and more businesses um, are incorporating open source software, especially popular libraries, okay? Now, let me, let, me, let me just peel back the curtain for you guys for, well, first let me address this story, then let me peel back the curtain a little bit for you guys. Um, the federal government is trying to implement in a public-private partnership uh, better controls around open source software, not just visibility over uh, code commits, but also, uh, I think CISA offers a free, like, or Google, it's one of those two, maybe it's Google, like a free vul uh, vulnerability scanner for open source software repos. Um, there's been some software bill of materials work. I think Amazon did that. The big FANG companies are all on board with helping the US government have better open source software controls, right? So this is a thing. And, and basically, like, spoiler alert, if you wanna know, like, why this is an issue, Go back to 2021, December 21, December, I think it's December 21 or December 2020 um, when Log4j happened. It was definitely December. I can't, I'm getting the years confused, but go look at Log4j. When Log4j broke, people were like losing their minds because they did not know whether or not the software they were running in their environments contained log4j. And it was like, it could have been buried like three levels deep through supply chain, right? So I buy, I buy a software package from BSEC. BSEC built it based on a bunch of different libraries from uh, Jeremiah Wenzel and King Victor B, right? And then the thing is King Victor B built it on like two modules that he found or she found, right? So like, you, you, you can't say like, oh, I don't have log4j because I'm looking at this thing I bought from BSEC because the further you get away from the current source you have, the, sh the, like, the less light, the less glow, the less visibility you have into where the hell, sorry, Kennedy, 
the, the less visibility you have into like where it came from, okay? So this is a problem, especially when you think of how much software the U.S. government is taking advantage of. The federal government's involved, not because they're like trying to hook up the public, the private sector and like do righteous work for the greater good. The, the federal government's involved because they have code all over the place. Now, let me peel back the curtain just for a hot second here. Guys, I was a software dev before I got into InfoSec, right? Like for a hot minute. Okay. And I still do coding, like crappy coding. So I wouldn't call myself a software engineer, but like I still do code from time to time. All right. Here is the reality. I'm going to, I'm going to break it down. You may look at this slick, wicked, polished, super cool, executable. That's got ASCII art. And maybe it's like, you know, you hover over and it, it makes like a, a, a sound effect, like, right. But if you look underneath, it, it's like, you know, patched code, commented out code, lots of debug code that's been like flagged out. Like, unless you're like an elegant, you know, senior, senior software engineer, most code is just slapped together. And I'm not, I'm not judging software engineers because they are tasked with building something that works. And who gets to decide if it works? The front end, the user, the client, whatever. And the client doesn't look at the crap underneath, right? They don't, dude, when you're driving a car, you don't like you're like, oh man, this car's fast. Look at these leather seats. Great, great handling. Oh man, is this seat heated? My butt feels warm, right? No one's cracking open the hood and like looking inside the engine block to see like is there extra like you could have a eight-cylinder car that actually has ten cylinders and two of them don't work because they're commented out. No one's gonna look at that, and that's a reality. So that's what's up with software and and because of that. You could have all sorts of libraries, all sorts of modules, all sorts of things that uh, are a hot mess on fire. And, and engineers are just pulling from all over the place. So this is why it's such an important topic for, for, for those reasons and more. So anyways, if you're running software, if you've got software in your environment, then you should be mindful of this. Also, this directly ties to supply chain. If you're going for a job interview at a company that does any type of software, Dev, this is a great talking point. Save the Children Hit with Ransomware. The nonprofit organization confirmed to the register that it experienced an IT incident involving unauthorized access to part of our network. The attack did not impact operations for the organization. The Beyond Leon Ransomware Group took credit for the attack on, quote, the world's leading nonprofit understood to be Save the Children. It claims it stole 6.8 terabytes of data, including 800 gigabytes of financial records. Um... You are so dumb. You are really dumb. Catch me outside. How about that? Like, what are you doing? Like, just because you can, just because you can, doesn't mean you should, right? Like, I, I hope, I hope something comes out that Save the Children's is like completely corrupt and like morally bankrupt or something like that. Because that's the only way I'm going to feel remotely, um, What's the word I'm thinking of? Like bad for, like good for, for this, this threat actor. Dude, guys, it's one thing to attack. Like, okay, like, listen, there was like an unwritten alliance among all the threat actors back in like 2020, 2019, 2020, especially pandemic 21. Like we won't hit healthcare. Okay. Like let's not hit healthcare. And they all like kind of at criminal con 21, they all like high fives and had like a loose agreement that they wouldn't attack healthcare. And then like Lockbit and Cont like ransomware is an affiliate model took off and now it's like whatever healthcare all over the place. But like it, it wasn't it didn't even have to be said not to attack 
freaking charities that are helping. I mean, just really any charity, frankly. But, dude, save the children. What are you like? What are you, Lucifer? Like, what are we doing here? This is terrible. Um, I could see this as in uh, one of those situations where federal government, I, I don't know where Save the Children is, like if it's in the United States or something, but I could see the federal government, the U.S. federal government, at least, if not Interpol, Europol, um, getting together and addressing this. So it was found in the U.K., so I don't know if it's all the way over in the U.K., but this is like, this is wicked deplorable, dude. This is like, this is scum, okay? So I could see the federal government going after this one just for a moral win, just for, you know, champion. Plus, Save the Children is one of the largest and oldest charities in the world. I'm, again, like, just being real, I'm sure the people who are connected in power over Save the Children are probably influential people, uh, probably have connections to powerful people. So I'm, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess, hold on, let me, I'm going to do a speculative hot take. Speculative hot take, I wouldn't be surprised to see a large, well-publicized re uh, tactical response to this attack by a U.S. federal government, if not in coordination with like U.S., U.K., Five Eyes type stuff. Um, this is just too, too gross and too easy. I'm, I'm sorry. This is too easy from a winning hearts and minds um, marketing campaign. Like, no one's going to disagree that this is awful. It's very, like, sometimes it's hard to have, like, evil and good, like it's a 1950s cartoon or comic book. Like, in, in modern day, like, you know, the 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 hero and, the, and the, the bad guy are really, you know, perspective, right? So, but this one's very clear, bad guy. So, London base. All right, we'll see what the UK does. Um, I want to just point out really quickly, I kind of, again, I don't prep for these shows, so I'm skimming it. According to CISA, and if you guys don't know, CISA is the uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency uh, directed by uh, Jen Easterly. There we go, Jen. Um, they were able to access a victim system using valid RDP creds and a number of open source tools and command line scripting for discovering credential harvesting. So in case you missed it, um, RDP without MFA, remote desktop protocol, which is Microsoft 3389, which makes if it, like, I wish I was so rich that I could have a second streaming setup, like going right next to me. So I could have like a full-time hot backup, like, like I could have a hot backup contingency plan because when i see in 2023 when i see microsoft remote desktop protocol which is port 3389 open to the internet i just want to like literally flip my freaking whole desk just flip it over and storm out of the room what are you doing like i don't care if you're a tiny business or if you're the oldest most well-known largest charity in the world. What are you doing with this? We haven't seen Microsoft Remote Desktop open the internet and pop as the initial infection point in a cybersecurity story since like 2020. Like I, I have like PTSD from when we did that. It's like, what are you doing, dude? There is no, there is no, 
There's no viable reason. There's no explanation ever to have remote desktop protocol, RDP, port 3389, open to the internet. It's like, what are you doing? That's not okay. That's not acceptable. Like, do like at minimum, how about VPN? Minimum. What are you doing? Like, like, oh my God. Like, it's gross. Ooh, exfiltrate via FTP. Hey, exfiltrate via FTP. Here's another, like, here's another protocol that, what are we doing here? Unless the threat actor stood up FTP and transferred it out. But if you've got FTP running in your environment on a publicly facing system, although I'm sure they moved laterally and went across after credential harvesting. So I'm not going to lose my mind too much about FTP, but like, what, what the f are we doing here? What are we doing here? This is spyware found on Russian targets. The nonprofit organization Access Now and Citizen Lab confirmed they discovered the NSO group spyware on the phone of Jelena Timchenko, the owner of the outlawed Russian news outlet Medusa. Timchenko previously received a notification from Apple about a spyware infection back in June. The Washington Post sources say that the Russian government is not a client of NSO group. NSO claims it only works with governments to license the spyware for legitimate law enforcement uses. Timchenko believes the phone became infected back in February during a meeting of other Russian journalists in Germany. Oh, okay, okay. And First of all, okay, there's three things going on here. One, and it, okay, so one, the technical thing. This is a perfect example of NSO Group's Pegasus software, which is a zero click, which means you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is send a person's iPhone a text message and you own their phone. They can't stop it. They can't prevent it. I, there is a like high protection mode that Apple rolled out recently that could stop it. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it tested or anything. And I certainly don't have a copy of Pegasus. But from a technical perspective, I talk about it all the time. And I'm like, listen, I'm I'm a I'm nobody, right? Nobody's nobody's spending 500 grand on Pegasus software to infect my iPhone so they can see that I'm making butter chicken tonight, or like, you know, I gotta pick my kids up at soccer at 5:45. Like, no one, no one's spending the cashish on on infecting me. But political rivals, um, high intense uh, negotiations, like say Amazon's gonna acquire Tesla, or like I know that's stupid, but you see what I'm saying, like. Like mergers and acquisitions that are in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, dude, 500 grand to infect one of the lawyers on the negotiation team to figure out how far you can go before they're going to walk away from the deal. That's worth more than half a million dollars, I guarantee you. Or political activists, journalists, investigative journalists, journalists that are investigating political corruption of ruling parties, they are the people that you spend money on to infect their phones, right? Because guys, here's the reality. I know it's gonna sound obvious. People in power want to keep their power and they're gonna do whatever they can at their disposal to maintain power. This is why in the United States, the presidential transfer of power is such a regaled um, ceremony. Yeah, I mean, you go out the back door and hop in a chopper and fly away, but it's the point of relinquishing that executive power in a peaceful way it's what separates us from like you know i guess you know animals or whatever like it's 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 like a very uh civil 
transaction and it also communicates to the greater population that we are civil and we respect this democratic process and all these other things but my point is uh, other countries that aren't like that when you're in power you want to keep it and how do you do that by squashing and suppressing dissident perspectives and opinions again not a political show but my point is, when you, when you think about cyber attacks and you think about threat actors and their motivations, and most importantly, what is their action on objective? In 2023, guys, we're not dealing with Johnny Lee Miller and Angelia Jolie and hackers where they're just screwing around trying to play like a Three Stooges at 2 a.m. on a TV station. Whenever you're going to invest time, energy, effort, money, zero days, etc., on a hack, you have an objective in mind. You're going to an end goal, and these are the tools and things you need to execute on. So having said that, that's what's going on here, right? This is the suppression. Now, the second thing I want to point out really quickly, there's really no way to tell you've been infected with uh, Pegasus, okay? But they did say Apple notified this journalist back in January that she was infected. That's a footnote. But it's wildly interesting. Apple can tell if a phone has been infected. I don't know how they do that. I don't know how they do that. But I do want to point out, that's a really interesting note. That means that Apple, first of all, Apple obviously knows all their user accounts and everything. But they have some way to determine. So if you are a, well, two things. One, Apple can tell. But some human has to make the decision whether or not to tell the infected end user, right? In a perfect world, you'd be like, oh, no, like there's some, there's some automation. Like, oh, we detected Pegasus. Automatically email the uh, iCloud account and tell them they've been infected. I bet you, I bet you money that matters to me, there's actually a human decision process made at some point there, whether or not to tell them. Seems wild that you wouldn't tell them. But again, <laughs> go back to my original point. What if, it's, uh, what if it's a criminal, right? And law enforcement has infected that criminal's phone for legal purposes, right? Well, then Apple would be kind of screwing over the federal government or the law enforcement by telling the criminal, hey, you've been infected, right? Now, that's the obvious, like, great example of why you wouldn't tell them. But let's just say, for example... Um, I'm running against uh, Geeky Kid, right? So Geeky Kid and I are running for political office and I'm like, I'm pro whatever Apple's into, right? Like, you know, pro privacy, pro whatever, right? And Geeky Kid's firmly on a platform that's like everything anti-Apple, right? Like, again, I'm not saying Apple specifically, but like whatever the ideals and principles and, and stuff that Apple's into. And Geeky Kid and my phone both get infected with Pegasus. Well, a human has to make a decision that you think would be objective, but maybe it's subjective, where the human who gets to make the decision is like, well, Jesus, Geeky Kid's a, a, a loose cannon. You know, I, I don't know. Like, whoever's infected is probably doing it for a good reason. I like Jerry. I don't like Geeky Kid. Jerry, your phone's infected. Geeky Kid, ah, it's 5 o'clock. I'm going to punch out. I'll get to that email later. So I'm just pointing out there's, there's, there's scenarios here, okay? But it's interesting that Apple has the ability to detect, all right? And then finally, like, like no surprise, right? And the final thing I'm going to say, and I know I'm spending a lot of time on this one, but this is an important story. The final thing 
that you need to realize is NSO Group said, we don't sell to the Russians. We wouldn't have sold to the Russians for them to infect the journalists because that doesn't align with why we created Pegasus and what we do. NSO Group claims that they only sell Pegasus to vetted law enforcement that are, you know, using it for law enforcement and righteous purposes. I got news for you all. Straight cash, homie. Um, NSO Group is a for-profit company making um, a piece of software that sells for uh, an A-load of money, okay? If I come to you and I say, I want to buy your Pegasus software, and they're like, half a, half a million dollars, Jerry, and, and show us some paperwork that you're law enforcement. And I'm like, I left my law enforcement paperwork in my other pants, but here's $4 million. We cool? Are we cool here? And they're like, let's go, bro. You know, I'm just saying, at the end of the day, even though you can have policy, even though you can have these, you know, seemingly objective decision points, at the end of the day, a human is going to make a human decision, and typically they're incentivized to make the decision that serves their interests best, whether it's um, alerting a political candidate that aligns with your interests that they've been infected or whether it's selling to a less than scrupulous uh, government uh, because they, they basically greased your palm. Now a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. Got a scary security questionnaire to complete and you'd rather have AI do it? Your InfoSec friends are making the switch from outdated RFP and compliance tools to Conveyor, the most accurate security questionnaire automation software on the market. The proof is in the AI. Customers are seeing 80 to 90% accurate answers and decreasing the time spent on questionnaires answering by 91%. They're excited about the success customers like Lucid and Carta have seen using Conveyor. Try a free proof of concept at conveyor.com. All right. Musk may have. Here we go. Guys, I want to thank all of you for being here uh, and really appreciate the. Uh, Really appreciate all the support you guys uh, bring every single day. I dreamt, guys, I literally woke up this morning. At, I get up early. I get up at 5. I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning and swore to God that we had 400 people on stream today. Now, we only have 343, which is awesome. But I'm just telling you, I'm dreaming about 400 now, so I don't know what's up. I know, Jess Bishop, I am going to need a spa day. RDP, an NSO group, bruh, it's killing me. Guys, thanks to the uh, stream sponsors for enabling me to bring this every single day and not worry about uh, putting a roof over my kids' heads. Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, Anti-Siphon Training is here to disrupt the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, like you and you and you, regardless of financial position. Click the link in the description below to go to Anti-Siphon's Training. They have amazing training all over the place, calendar of events, Free summits, you can see what's going on, but I want to call your attention to the pay what you can training tab. They have a calendar coming up. These are all courses that you can pay whatever number you want. And on Monday, they're going to kick off John Strand's Getting Started in InfoSec. If you are even remotely on your way to breaking into InfoSec, if you're just sniffing it, hell, if you just, sorry, Kennedy, if you just started, right? I know some of you, Jesse Johnson. Just, just broke in. Like, congratulations, Jesse. 
If you have the availability to take this course from John Strand, believe me, it is going to be valuable and amazing. Giddy up on that. Anti-Siphon Trading, thanks for the sponsorship. Guys, if you're getting value from this, if you're, um, if you're getting value from this or entertainment, educational, whatever, you like watching me flip out, um, I, we do need an anti-siphon command. Thank you. We need so many commands, mod. Mods, I'm sorry. I'm a train wreck right now. Like, uh, launching the company, um, I'm, I'm hyper-focused on some client deliverables. I will get there, guys. I will get there. We'll, we'll build out the, uh, the commands. Do me a favor. Hit the like button. You know how Cy, um, what was Cy's last name? Hold on, Cy. I got you. I got you, Cy. Cy Varun. Cy Varun's first time today. How did Cy find us? I bet you yesterday Cy was on YouTube watching, looking for some cyber stuff and Cy's like, I just wish there was a place I could get the top cyber news every morning and not have to deal with like piecing it together. And then it was like, Bring! hey, a bunch of people like this stream. You might like it. And Cy's like, heck yeah. And now Cy's here, right? Do me a favor, pay it forward. Hit the like button right now. Believe me. Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Uh... Uh, Migdalia Gill, great story on LinkedIn, uh, great woman, uh, bringing the heat, I love, love her, uh, her passion and commitment, she is all in on InfoSec, believe that. Go on LinkedIn, Migdalia is going to tag somebody with the baton right now, whoever accepts the baton challenge from Migdalia, go on LinkedIn, post your cyber story, use the hashtag simply cyber community challenge. Here is, the, here is the opportunity for all of you in chat, the other 342 of you. Go on LinkedIn, find this hashtag. You can use the search box, search for this. If you want to have a powerful, very valuable professional network on LinkedIn and have your LinkedIn feed actually deliver inclusive, supportive, valuable content in cyber, Connect with the people using this tag and comment on their posts because you'll get picked up in the Peloton and people will connect with you. Ask anyone in chat who has done this. It is a proven method. It will supercharge your LinkedIn feed. It's basically an awesome hack that we've collectively done. Giddy up on that. Every Thursday, Dan Reardon, AKA Haircut Fish, um, makes a custom meme for the channel that I do not review, approve, or deny. I let it flow straight from him to you. Um, I wanted to share this one with you. So last Friday, I sounded like I was on death's door, and um, uh, Dan took upon himself to make the Ricola one. So simply Cybercola. I don't know, but that's me working it out. Uh, I am a big Ricola fan when it comes to uh, uh, throat lozenges. It's my it's my jam. It's my go-to. And just as a fun bonus tidbits Tuesday, I like the pink bag with the lemon and the echinacea, but you can't really find it. So it's really just the yellow bag. All right, guys, let's get back into it so I don't miss my flight. Violated Twitter's FTC order. Back in 2011, <laughs> the company then known as Twitter and the Federal Trade... All right, Andre Diaz. <laughs> Magdalia, thank you so much. And Andre Diaz, uh, look forward to your post. Mission reached a consent decree that it would not mislead investors on its data privacy protections. In 2022, it agreed to pay a $150 million settlement over misuse of user information in ads. Now, a legal filing by the U.S. Department of Justice alleges that the company, since renamed to X, raises serious questions about compliance to that order. The filing said information shows a chaotic environment at the company that would make it hard to stay compliant with the FTC order. All right, hold on. I wasn't... Uh... <laughs> 
Hold on. Uh, Raymond Napoli says, or Napoli, says that he heard about us at Dragon Con. I, I don't know Dragon Con, uh, but it's awesome. Like, high five, uh, Raymond. I'm glad that glad that Dragon Con is representing. Um, so I didn't catch this story. We do have an Elon uh, emote. I feel like Elon, um, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Elon, when it comes to, like, law and following, you know, FTC, he'll do what he can. But in reality, Elon, he ain't got, ain't nobody got time for that. Elon's trying to run a multi-billion dollar company. Your FTC rules, they don't apply here. Ain't nobody got time for that. Um, So whatever, they, uh, FTC coming at him or Department of Justice through the FTC. I have to imagine that Elon's just going to throw a bunch of lawyers at it and, you know, push it into the ether. See, Tesla CEO insisted on launching the new Blitter tw- Twitter user verification service on an accelerated basis right now. Yeah, dude, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've come to this conclusion, okay? Here's the conclusion. Speculative hot take coming in coming in hot on uh, Elon. Speculative hot take. Hold on. Elon runs large Fortune 5 companies like their tech startups. That's it. He moves fast. He breaks things. And I'm not saying he doesn't care, but like he just, he has infinite money and he'll just pay someone to take care of it. Like he's a visionary. He's trailblazing. He ain't got time to do whatever it is you're talking about. I don't have time to keep up with that. I'm, I'm trying to get, um, I'm trying to get at least my family on Mars colonized, if not more people before the earth, um, you know, melts down or incinerates because of climate change. Like, I feel like that's what Elon's mind is doing. Like Elon's like, I don't have time for like whatever you're talking about. I'm solving global problems over here. So if, if you, you know, whatever, G- give me a fine, right? This will probably result in some type of financial penalty in 2025, 2026. Elon will stroke a check and there you go. So we'll see. Um, again, Here's the deal, with all due respect. In 2023, we all live online, but you should be mindful. Anything you stick online into some other database that is not controlled by you, which is very difficult to not do, you don't own that data anymore. You can have the, you know, you can have the illusion of data control and privacy, but in the United States, you don't really have that. So, we'll see. Way to go FTC. Um We'll see. Government report on deep fake risks. Uh-oh. The FBI, NSA, and CISA issued a cybersecurity fact sheet on the security implications of synthetic media. The agency suggested attackers could use things like deep fakes for brand manipulation, social engineering attacks, or identity theft. The agencies pointed to real-world examples from May where a malicious actor used a deep fake to impersonate executives in two instances. The sheet highlighted industry efforts to authenticate media and advised starting to plan for ways to minimize the impact of synthetic media as it becomes more readily available. Shall we play a game? All right, so um, deep fakes have been around since I want to say 2016. Um, they're fascinating. They're very easy for um, end users and non you know, non-cyber, non-tech people to wrap their head around because you can look at it, you can see it, you can touch it, proverbially touch it. 
Um, the talk I'm giving tomorrow, why I'm flying out, actually has a whole segment on deep fakes. Two things. One, if you know me, if you know me, and you've known me for a minute, every year, at the end of the year, like, you know, a lot of us um, dorks in the industry prognosticate, like, what, what do we think our big prediction is for the upcoming year? And since 2015, I have said, like, literally 2015, like, there's going to be a major deep fake political thing. Like someone's going to like dis disrupt an election with a deep fake. It hasn't happened. This is the year though. You believe me, 2024 is the year. I'm going to, I'm going to say it. So if you stick around and you're with me regularly, I, I am, I'm firmly on the deep fake, uh, major, uh, attack train. But again, a broken clock is right twice, a, twice a day. So I'll get, I'll get it eventually. Um, if you don't know about deep fakes, I absolutely encourage you check out the story at securityweek.com. I'm going to drop a link in chat. Um, we're beginning to see with AI, um, 11 labs can uh, impersonate voices. If there's enough material out there, um, it, you know, if there's enough video, we, we saw deep fakes really begin in the adult film industry where they were taking famous actresses and putting their body on female adult film stars. Um, in order to whatever, you know, like there's a whole, there's a whole rabbit hole you can go down on that. And, um, the violation and the impact that's had to, uh, movie, you know, celebrities and stuff like that, but that's kind of where it started. And now people are monetizing it, weaponizing it. And there's been two instances apparently where, uh, businesses, executives have been impersonated. So why would you do this? Right. Really quickly. Well, two things. One, well, how would you get the information, right? So, so some idiot like me who's online all the time and my voice likeness, uh, mannerism, saying wicked, getting pissed off about, sorry, Kennedy, about RDP, uh, opening the internet. Like you can, you can pull a lot of data and, and curate that. CEOs, especially like tech startup CEOs and uh, CEOs of like very public companies, they're regularly going on news and, you know, whatever, saying whatever about their company. They're regularly doing webinars. They're regularly... Um, speaking to investors, they're on all hands calls, right? So there's a rich corpus of data to feed into an AI in order to simulate these executives. Now, why would you do that, right? Well, guess what? If I text you and say, hey, QDAP, it's Jerry. Well, hold on. I am Jerry. Hey, QDAP, it's Bob, the CEO of your company. I need you to route some money to Migdalia. Uh, the deal's going to close at 5 p.m. today, and we're going to acquire her. It's a publicly traded company, so it's super sensitive. You're not allowed to publicly disclose it. Don't tell anyone, but send Migdalia uh, $3 million. Here's the information. You get that in a text message. You're like double middle fingers to the sky. You're like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that, right? Now, I send you an invite for a Zoom call or Google Meet, and you get on the call and you see me and you hear me, and I'm like, QDEP, I don't have time to talk to you. I need you to send Migdalia at this account $3 million before the hour's out or this deal's going to fall through and I'm going to blame you. I've got to go. Click, right? So it could be a pre-recorded, deep faked, looks alike, sounds alike, and there's no way for QDEP to engage and qualify or prove it, right? And you might think, hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to text Jerry or the CEO and, and confirm that he just sent that. You were just on the phone with him. What are you talking about? Get the money to Migdalia, right? And that's how business email compromise is going to evolve.
and that's just a crude attack. Like you can you can imagine getting much more deliberate with um, disclosing intellectual property, secret formulas, giving access. Dude, imagine this. All right, hold on. Let's let's keep this train going. Stephanie Strauss. Stephanie Strauss doesn't work in finance and accounting. Stephanie works um in IT. I email her. I pretend to be the CIO. There we go. No problem. We got, we'll get the CIO's intel or the CEO. It doesn't matter. Hey, Stephanie, quick Google me. I got to talk to you. It's wicked important. Okay. What's up, Jerry? Stephanie, Marcus Kyler is going to contact you. I told Marcus Kyler to contact you. He needs admin access and a remote access account through VPN to our ERP solution. He's an auditor. We are being audited by the SEC, the FTC, the DOJ, the IRS. I don't care. Three-letter agency that's got a BDS going on. This is critically important. They're going to shut us down if you don't do it. Stephanie, when Marcus contacts you, give him credentials. I've got to go. Click goodbye. Then just me pretending to be Marcus now. I'm like, hello, I'm Marcus. I was told to contact you about an account. And Stephanie's just like, here's a bunch of access. Go. And then Marcus is just like, you know. Marcus is playing the two keyboards, like the the uh, the keyboard is from Sticks, where he's like, da -da 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 -da, and just like running roughshod all through the environment with legit credentials. I'm telling you, deep fake, man. Don't sleep on deep fakes. Mozilla releases patch for exploited zero day. The zero day impacted both its Firefox browser and Thunderbird email client. The vulnerability allows for a heat buffer overflow in the WebP code library when opening a malicious image. This can lead to arbitrary code execution. We don't have much details on it other than that threat actors began exploiting it in the wild. What? Mozilla has released patches. Hold on one second. Jesus. Hold on. We have a we have a uh, breaking news right here. Look at. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up on stream. Uh, Where is it? Jaya. Look on stream right now. Jaya says... Hashtag simply cyber community challenge completing the GRC course, which is my course, which if you do exclamation point GRC, you can check out his connections erupt. Uh, uh, Jaya, if, I, if you're not male, I'm sorry. Jaya's connections erupted because of the challenge, which, by the way, is the whole point and why we do it and why I'm telling you it. And then lifted him to get so many interviews and got a GRC role and now is on the in onboarding process. First of all, congratulations, Jaya. Wicked awesome. Super pumped for you. Second of all, this is what I'm talking about, guys. I'm not up here selling snake oil and blowing smoke up your A. I'm literally, this is what I'm telling you. It's just hard work, consistency, and networking. And if you don't know how to do networking, we have built a mechanism to enable you very easily to blow up your network with meaningful connections. Jaya, thank you for sharing your story. Super pumped. Super freaking pumped. But the flaw also impacts other software that uses the WebP library, including Google's Chrome browser. All right. I was so distracted with Jaya's major news that I didn't listen to any of this. So I'm going to I'm going to completely respond on title alone. Mozilla patches Firefox Thunderbird against Zero Day. If you're running Mozilla uh, suite of software, patch it. Linux malware distributor left online for three years. Researchers from Kaspersky report that the download manager site began intermittently redirecting users to a malicious domain that downloads an executable for a malware backdoor to Linux machines. The site began as a benign download site, but started doing redirects in 2020. 
The site installs an updated version of the BU backdoor, first published in 2014. Kaspersky published file hashes and IP addresses to find compromised machines. All right, a couple of things here. One, Linux is not immune from malware. Just threat actors write less of it because there's a smaller footprint. And if I'm going to spend 20 hours of my life writing a piece of malware, I want to get as much use and value out of that malware. So I'm going to write it for Windows. Why? Because Carl, Carl runs Windows. <laughs> you know who doesn't run Win uh, Unix? Do you know who doesn't run Linux? CFOs. You know who doesn't? Well, actually, they probably run Mac. Uh, special snowflakes. So anyways, long story short, uh, info stealing software. It, has, it doesn't say backdoor here, but they said a backdoor. Um, it's, it, they said backdoor, which is a persistence mechanism to get back into the machine. Sucking out creds. Three years. Uh, I think the only interesting, the only interesting thing to me in this story is that the website and the downloader was originally benign, so it did establish credibility and it was legit. So I could tell L down L Downing zero one nine zero. Hey L Downing, like dude, check out this Linux uh, executable I found. It's awesome, right? It's uh, it's a free download manager for Linux. Super easy, super useful. Here's a link. L Downing downloads it, loves it. Evan Barnett downloads it, loves it. And then all of a sudden, a threat actor gets a hold of it, trojanizes it, and then leverages the trust and social proof of this free download manager. And then Micah Romine downloads it, King Victor B downloads it, and guess what? Uh, you're popped, okay? So that's what's up. TLDR, Linux can have malware. Also, I mean, if you want, you could go look. If you think you downloaded a free download manager, chances are you can use the IOCs to see if you've been popped, but it's been around for three years. So your creds are probably owned at this point. Um, and by the way, you shouldn't reuse passwords across accounts and systems. Coinex loses millions in hack. Oh. The cryptocurrency exchange disclosed that attackers broke into I'm its hot wallet that it uses to fund it, its operations. It, Analysts estimate losses of between $43 million and $53 million worth of cryptocurrency, with the remaining $72 million in assets transferred to cold wallets. Coinex said the attack did not impact user assets. No word from Coinex on the attacker, but blockchain investigator Zach XBT says one of the wallets used in the attack was linked to the North Korean group Lazarus. All right. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. My man Finfrock continuing the train for the crypto. Uh, also, um, anytime you see a, a currency crypto hack north of $40 million, you should immediately think of North Korea's Lazarus Group. They are highly sophisticated. They basically represent the GDP for North Korea. It's how North Korea buys ballistic missiles and stuff. Um, it's by <laughs> straight up high profile Big dollar cybercrime for crypto. Um, for crypto. Um, another interesting thing here is that the hackers stole this money, right? Uh, dude, here's the thing with crypto, right? If you don't have offline keys or offline wallets, someone gets a hold of it. It's like they, it's basically like they steal your wallet, right? And all that's in your wallet is cash. There's no ID. There's no Credit card, there's nothing. It's just straight cash, homie, okay? Here. Straight cash, homie. So then you, like, if law enforcement was to say, hey, is that your wallet? You're like, yeah, look, it's mine. I own it, right? You can't, you can't 
You can't get it back. Now you can track where the money's going and using you know different uh, tools of the blockchain. So you can see that, which is how they're able to loosely attribute it to Lazarus because there's a wallet involved in the transactions that was previously used in a Lazarus attributed hack. So higher confidence that Lazarus is involved. The only thing I want to point out, while this is interesting and why, you know, personally, I don't trust cryptocurrency, but uh, the only thing worth noting here is that the exchange said no user assets were compromised, or even if they were, they will make you whole again. So this currency exchange lost $53 million and it's like a speed bump to them. They're like, no problem. Like everybody's accounts are fine because obviously... Um, there would be a run on on the exchange and contagion if people started losing money, right? Like if if your bank said, uh, I know you got $1,000 in your bank account right now, but in reality, it's 800 because someone stole it. You'd be like, F you. Oh, sorry, Ken. You'd be like, you suck, bank. I'm going to take my money, my $800, thanks very much, and I'm going to go put it in a different bank. So it's very valuable to these exchanges to protect the integrity of the user's assets. So... But the fact that they had $53 million to just eat blows my mind. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Okay. Can you imagine that you lost 53? Like you're running a business and like you lose $53 million and you're like, we're good. Like, like just losing. If I had a million dollars and I lost it, I like, I don't, I, I would like throw up. Like my stomach is actually starting to get in a little tummy troubles right now. Just thinking about it. $53 million. So anyways, Lazarus Group, go Google them if you're interested. A security data lake. A da uh, hold on. Is that the last story or what? Data repository of everything you need to analyze and yep. get analyzed. All right. Hold on one second, y'all. That's going to do it for the stream. If you were here just for the news, I want to tell you two things. One, thanks for being here. Great to have you. I hope you enjoyed it. Hit the like button on your way out. Two, Tomorrow's live uh, Daily Cyber Threat Briefing podcast will be hosted by Eric Taylor. Uh, I appreciate Eric Taylor for taking the time and being able to continue uh, the train, episode 452. So uh, please uh, be mindful of the programming change and um, have fun with Eric tomorrow. I will be uh, speaking at a uh, event. So, all right, guys, I've only got a couple minutes um because i gotta go catch a flight but let me let me just see really quickly if there's anything uh oh oh uh just a reminder um i got a live stream with intel intel same intel that you're thinking of on um september 28th two weeks from today no thursday live today because i'm traveling uh but gary binder this guy is wicked cool i had a conversation with him uh last week and he's really really cool really really interesting so please uh, prep and get ready for that. Guys, I got to catch a flight. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Jaya, thanks for sharing your story. Um, Andre Diaz, look forward to your um, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. And all of you have a wonderful day. And we will see you. Uh, well, all of you will see each other tomorrow. But I'll see all of you on Monday at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Be good. Bye, everybody. Thank you.
Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. One.